0: my name's Nicole I'm Brenna I'm Reed and this is fit click a podcast where we talk about fan fiction each episode each of the three of us brings a fic to discuss individually and today we're themed we'll talk about that more in a second before that read what fic did you bring for us to talk about today
1: yes i brought on this night and in this light by astrid fisher for the fandom fire emblem three houses the pairing is felix sylvain because that's all i ever bring to this podcast brenna what did you bring
2: my fic pick for this episode is Four Days in Lonling by Halo Tolerant. Uh, this is a fic for the fandoms The Untamed as well as MDZS. It's tagged for both. Uh, and the pairing is Jung Chung and Nihai song. So it should be an interesting one. Similar fandom, different pairing than we've discussed
0: before. Nick, what's yours? My fic for this episode is Sui Juris. Maybe that's how you print it. I don't speak Latin. Uh, by AO3 user Impertinence for the fandom The Queen's Thief. It's a fantasy book series. And the relationship is Costas slash Comet.
1: Nick, do you want to tell the ficlets what our theme is? Um, Because I think this whole... So we talked about it for Dune June, I think, a little bit. But Nick, I'm pretty sure, had this idea of having like one themed episode a month for the rest of the year. Uh, so I feel like you should maybe lead us into this one.
0: Yeah, as with many things, it started as a joke. Um, I used to say <laughs> that like my dream job was being one of those people who names nail polishes, and this feels like a similar vibe, actually. <laughs> uh each month gets a little a quippy little uh well, for the most part, <laughs> uh title and theme associated with it. We did Dune June and we are here for you Ficklets with You Lie July. Uh very excited. Woo, woo. Pew, 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 pew. Like I don't know if that pew. yeah, <laughs> I'm hyped. Okay, um, yeah the the initial idea came up I don't know from the recesses of my brain somewhere um, as being okay we'll bring all fics that have unreliable narrators. I think in part because I had just read uh, a book called Night Bitch, uh, extremely good. Would highly recommend. That does I think you could consider have an unreliable narrator. Not thinking as much about the differences between like fic and published literature as genres, and what tropes are more common in which ones, and what's easy (laughs) to find versus what's quite hard to find.
2: Yeah, so it turns out finding fic with an unreliable narrator, (laughs) um, in the way that you understand an unreliable narrator to be when you like do high school English, um, is nearly impossible. I didn't look at every fic on AO3, so like it's not impossible. I just wasn't able to succeed. Um, and I don't think my co-host had a whole lot of luck either. Um, there are quite a few fics tagged Unreliable Narrator.
1: I think your fic is tagged Unreliable Narrator. My, the fic I brought
2: this time is... It's its not... Like I'm sorry <laughs> to AO3 user Halo Tolerant. Like I'm not trying to criticize your fic. I loved it. That's why I brought it. It's not an unreliable narrator though it's like an unreliable secondary character Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah i think we all spent a lot of time in various ao3 tags trying to see if this is something we could find and interestingly there are a few characters on ao3 who have like kind of dedicated unreliable narrator tags to them like unreliable narrator anakin skywalker (laughs) is a big one that i kept seeing
1: um i I I got hannibal in there
0: (laughs) <laughs> i did not read a lot of hannibal fic though for this sorry ficlets if you really <laughs> enjoy that
1: i think i saw like wei wuxian and or nie Huai song maybe both I definitely, definitely wei definitely wuxian, wuxian. Yeah. yeah
2: absolutely um but i i i looked a little bit in those and then i i was having trouble though so then i said oh god how are we gonna find three fics that all have unreliable narrators that like bring a lot of the table with that that sort of aspect of it to for us to really dig into um and then we said oh what if we puppet write our own fix (laughs) (laughs) because we're having such a terrible time but we didn't end up doing
0: that i'd like the record to show i started one (laughs) did you really (laughs) i did but i didn't have enough
1: time to finish it (laughs) what fan i mean i have to assume Skiz.
0: No, it was. Uh, this is another reason I struggled. Uh, it was the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes.
1: Oh. <laughs> sure, fascinating. Yes, I also. I also wanna. I don't know if I really want to issue an apology I guess I'll just bring up when we were all talking about our woes Nick was like oh my god I have the perfect fic it's titled Unreliable Narrator and I went oh is it the one by Owl in a Minor because I had read that fic and I know it and Nick was like I can't believe this I can't believe you've done this to me I can't bring this fic now and I, I don't know like, why you... I didn't just bring it <laughs> <laughs> like just because I had read it and enjoyed it didn't mean that you couldn't no, bring you it Like, undermined you undermined my sewing.
0: moment was the thing <sighs>
1: Okay, well, I'm very sensitive. (laughs) Yeah, and this we do know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I think maybe one of the issues or like one of the struggles that I was having in trying to find an unreliable narrator fic is like, I am sure there are a lot of like really good fics on AO3 that would fit I think what the three of us were looking for that just aren't tagged for it. Because I think one of the things that's most fun for me about unreliable narrators, as far as I've read them recently, which I think mostly, honestly, is just Harrow the Ninth, but it's it's the twist, right? It's even if you kind of know that the information that you're being fed is wrong in some regard, there are usually some like, oh my God, like here's actually the whole flip side to what you weren't seeing or like what you weren't being told. And I feel like I could easily see a fic following that and then not tagging it because like you spoil the surprise a little bit. Like I think there are some authors who have pretty minimal tagging, Because, like, you know, they want the experience to be sort of you go in more or less, like, not knowing what you're going to get. I also shot myself in the foot a little bit by bringing a fic that had Harrow for Dune June, where I was like, ah, she's she's my prime unreliable narrator, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to bring her for back-to-back themes. Yeah, my challenge in part was I don't think an
0: unreliable narrator is easy to do in short form. We don't bring fics that are longer than 50,000 words, typically. We don't. We certainly don't go past 60 for a normal episode. And the first fic that came to mind, I was like, this is a absolutely, like, textbook unreliable narrator, and the fic is, like, 130,000 words long. <laughs> like, there was no way. Um, so I think that's one thing to note, too, of, like, the genres that you would see having unreliable narrators. It's often longer stories, so that the payoff is more interesting. Uh, well, The payoff feels better, I think, in a longer story in a lot of ways that I was just really struggling to locate. So I was like, well, I'm going to ask a friend in in Twitter DMs who I know enjoys reading things like this. What fix do you know about lying? And she gave me a bunch (laughs) and I picked one and that's how I landed here.
2: Yeah, so the next point after we determined that it would be really hard to bring three fix that just focused on unreliable narrator... We did just broaden the category to lying.
0: Right. It's um, so you lie, July. So right.
2: Exactly. So all of our fix had to have lying as a central component of it. Um, two of the fix for this episode do involve fake dating as the lying. <laughs> Whoops. Um, I, I, and that's not a bad thing. I'm just, a, I was going to say that. And then, um, but you know, we, we'd also kind of, when we were brainstorming it, talked about things like superhero identities or like a truth curse or like a truth potion kind of fic um i know that they're like i read a lot of things that involve actually like either lying or truth telling as a central component once i started to think about it um which i think is also interesting because i feel like i don't see as much of that in like published literature like i mean fake dating is definitely a trope that i think has come more and more into like romance too um but I feel like these other kind of forms of oops, compelled to tell the truth or like oops, compelled to not be able to tell the truth um, aren't things I see like a whole lot in like the published fiction I'm reading.
1: Yeah, I, I do find it funny that Nick and I both ended up landing on a fake dating fic because like... Uh, I was reading a bunch of fics. I was reading a lot for the sort of like superhero identity, like identity porn. Um, I had read a lot of Steve Tony back in the day for that tag. Um, And I don't know, just like a bunch of like, when you brought in the category to lying, you do realize that there's so many different like ways that could shape, like shape into a fic. Um, but I've been reading a lot of Fire Emblem lately. And then I was like, this one's cute. And then Nick was like, here's mine. That's also fake dating. And we went, Okay, now we're both just bringing the same trope.
0: A Spider-Man meme.
1: Yeah, truly. But it is, like, executed differently in some regards. I, I mean, the tones of our fix are very different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Finding
0: our fix was kind of a pain, but Reed landed on Felix and Sylvain. Reed?
1: So yeah, my fic pick for this episode is On This Night and In This Light by Astrid Fisher. Um, as I said, for Fire Emblem Three Houses, the hit video game that I know and love and force my co-hosts to just sort of know <laughs> about. Um and the pairing is Felix Sylvain. As I kind of said in the intro, I've been reading a lot of, of Fire Emblem Fic, kind of across pairings, but like largely Felix Sylvain or some, like sometimes Dimitri's in there as well. Um this is definitely the nicest of the fix that I read. I feel like if our theme was like Christmas in July, I would have absolutely knocked it out of the Killed park, it. yeah, um, yes, the premise is that Felix and Sylvain fake date over Christmas um where they go back to their hometown that is in Canada, not necessarily by either of their design. um Annette sets them up well, kind of sets Felix up mostly and is like haha, I told Sylvain to like fake date you for Christmas. And Felix is like, this is going to be awful. And then it's like 35K of holiday shenanigans and Felix being like really grumpy and being like, my life is miserable. And everyone's like, Felix is so happy. And like, (laughs) that is kind of how it goes. Um, It is like largely, yeah, very tropey, pretty like fluffy or like lighthearted, I would say. But I will uh, give you some content warnings. Um, Grief is definitely a theme in this fic. Um, there are elements of, like, secondary character death, including parental death, and also, like, mentions of an overdose, um, and all of those occurred in the past. Uh, we do get, like, explicit references to those events on screen, but nothing super in detail about them. Um, and it's more just how they shape the characters at present and the, um, yeah, sort of, like, the feelings that the characters have about each other and their histories and whatnot. Um... I really liked this fic. It was nice to read something just nice for these characters. They don't have a good time in canon often, and like even in AUs, they tend to also have a pretty bad time. Um, And that's something I'll get into a little bit more later in the discussion, but... I do always find it really interesting with AUs, especially, I think, for this fandom, what parts of canon get adapted and what parts of canon do not. Um, If you're familiar with Fire Emblem Three Houses, in this fic, Glenn is alive, Uh, Glenn being Felix's brother. And that's a pretty big departure from canon and shapes a bunch of things for them. But um, I just thought this was cute. It's like, like I said, very tropey. And I liked that it just like leaned all the way into it. like If it was going to go in on fake dating at Christmas, it was going all the way in in a way that just really delighted me. So yeah, I had fun with it. Um, My co-hosts, how did you feel about sort of returning to Reed's Video Game Corner? I feel like this one is less so, but the fandom is Reed's Video Game Corner. We've been here before for these lads in particular.
2: Yeah, I had fun returning to these characters. I kind of like in this I don't want to say I forgot it was a video game, but I just <laughs> feel like the video game aspect was not super present for me here because, unlike some of the other, like the other Fire Emblem Three Houses fix that we've read that also have like action sequences and stuff, and even if they don't necessarily feel very like, in the style of a video game, you still got that kind of like heightened sense of, like, plot and action and all of these things that I think kind of mirror that. And, like, the other... Well, I don't remember about the Western one that we read. But, like... That one
0: it was in space as well
2: it was not in space it wasn't yeah I know I know it was in space
0: (laughs) because we decided it was
2: no what I was gonna say is I can't remember if that one also used like place names from the video
1: game or not um I think no I feel like that was set in America or did I just sort of decide that it felt like frontier America I don't mm.
0: we all I think made our own decisions about the setting (laughs) for that one
1: I'm so sorry to that author I I, it definitely was like less rooted in canon and canonical places. If it did bring up a name or two, like so much lesser than the space fic.
2: Yeah, I think the space fic is just so front and center in my mind when I think about Fire Emblem Three Houses that this was almost like reading, a, a like a an AU of that for me <laughs> rather than reading like an AU of Fire Emblem Three House houses because like I'm not familiar with the source material at all. um But yeah, I had a good time with this. I did at the beginning. I was saying this to my co-host last night, but like. I have a hard time kind of keeping track of who's... Still, see, who's Felix. That's not a name. Oh, she's shipping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, like till you die.
2: Yeah. I, um, <laughs> keeping track of Felix and Sylvain. I just don't really... It's that thing where, like, you haven't seen the people a whole lot, so your brain just kind of conjures them up looking a certain way. And, like, is it right? Is it wrong? Have I mixed up their, like visual identities yes i have i've switched them once again (laughs) so sorry lads (laughs) um no but i had a really good time with this i think like it was it was really charming i think it did the fake dating thing so well and like you were really rooting for them it had like a few also like kind of bigger emotional moments towards like the two-thirds towards the end mark that i really liked i thought they had really good payoff um i do have a slight gripe about some of the setup for this (laughs) fic in that they are all presumably Canadian and yet all seem to go to American universities I just don't really understand that but also the author did tell us that we weren't allowed to bring up complaints about Canada to them so I'm not bringing it up to them I'm just saying that (laughs) did throw me um because I didn't understand I didn't understand it logistically or monetarily. Reed has explained that they're all over wealthy and that maybe it doesn't matter um, the difference between the Canadian and the U.S. dollar and (laughs) college tuition costs, (laughs) but I was really stuck on it.
0: Well, being an international student at an American university is like pretty cheap, I heard. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's my understanding. It's a really
0: affordable experience for everyone. (laughs)
1: Especially at UCLA. I have Mm -hmm. no idea what it's like in Syracuse, but UCLA, I've heard, very cheap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: super cheap. They, they, and in fact, the UC system really loves to subsidize for
0: international Mm -hmm. students. (laughs) They're really (laughs) well known for it. I've heard that. Yeah. Well, hey, I really liked this fic too. (laughs) Um, I thought it was so nice to read. Like, I'm known to my friends and fans as someone who does not generally seek fluff. It's not for me. Uh, most of the time, I think because like I get mad if it feels too unrealistic. Like, how am I supposed to enjoy these people like making their little gay pancakes in the morning when they're not thinking about like any other things that happen in people's lives? It just feels fake. It makes me mad. Uh, this is just my personal bitterness. But uh, I liked the balance in this fic because like it definitely is a very sort of by the book fake dating fic. Uh, it, it hits its marks. Uh, we get great moments, but it also feels still very rooted in like a, the characters themselves. So it's not just a like fill in, what is it? Mad libs of a fake dating (laughs) fic with their names in it. Um, there is some like really interesting work done around grief that I liked that was like in the background. It didn't overwhelm the fic, but it added some layers to it. And I was cheering for not only our pairing to get together, but for, our POV character to get a happy ending, which is really, I feel like all I can ask for in a fic that I want to feel nice reading. So I appreciated that very much. Fire Emblem Three Houses is one of my favorite video games by virtue of (laughs) me just not knowing a lot of games. So that's cool. I'm giving you guys just
1: the absolute most incorrect picture of this game. Like one time Brenna like looked over my shoulders. I was playing the game and was like, this is what this looks like. I was astonished, startled. (laughs) Like everything I thought about
2: the universe tilted on its axis in that moment. It's like feudal Um, human
0: Pokemon,
2: right? (laughs) I think so, actually. Isn't that what it looks like? That's the vibe. Yeah, but see, I thought it. I thought looked like like the most recent legend of zelda games like that's what i was picturing my head so when i looked over i was like what is this (laughs) it's like when i learned that the moon gets hot okay bretta we can't let go (laughs) and (laughs) also the earth is not perfectly round and it's
1: squishy and lumpy (laughs) the earth is so lump shaped no but it's so much more lump shaped than you think it would be it's so uneven and the moon is hot and that's wrong the moon should always be cold (laughs) You yeah. You. So basically,
0: <laughs> I think when I, I had yourself.
2: <laughs> me learning about what Fire Emblem Three Houses looked like is really similar to those experiences okay. for
0: me. Distressing,
1: Lord. I can't. Distressing. I'm sorry. Feudal human Pokemon is like it's really correct, getting. Right? It's like not entirely wrong, is, unfortunately, like <laughs> what I'm coming to I realize. Don't have a lot of reference points. You can collect them all. Them being the children. Yeah. Um. You do level them up and Turn-based and combat, shape right. T- yeah, more or less. A little different than how it works in Pokemon, but it is like well, a strategy game. Never played game. Pokemon. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> Help. Anyway, whatever. This is not about the fic, but I just do think it's like. I feel like part of the reason that I haven't brought super in depth canonical fic is because the canon is so there's so much happening. There's the- we basically know.
2: I know so much, yeah, and I too. definitely,
1: like, remember characters. I'm going to oh, yeah. insert the whatever intro it was where we all had to talk about fandoms that we're supposed to be familiar <laughs> with from the pod, but we're not, where Brenna did. I made her talk about Fire Emblem. Just insert a snippet from that here, maybe. <laughs> Blue Lions. Blue Lions is right. I'm so proud of you. Anyway, I would like to talk about this fic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think, well, talking about this fic and canon, actually, Um, something I think we talk about a fair amount on the pod, um, is, like, what is a fic doing beyond its, like, romantic pairing? Like, what does the rest of their life look like? And I think when you have a game like Fire Emblem, where it's, like, a built-in, you have, like, the whole network of people. And, like, in the game, canonically, Ingrid and Felix and Sylvain and Dimitri all grew up together, and they all have this, like, storied history. And I think that makes it, like... I don't want to say like easier on the author, but I think it's a nice thing to be able to just build on that and then to be able to use that in an AU fic to build a world that feels like full and real, again, beyond just like our romantic pairing. Um, In particular, I really, really loved the Ingrid of this fic um she was so good and so gay she's been dating dorothea for uh one semester is absolutely like distraught at the idea of like not being able to spend the holidays with her and also spoilers for the end but is uh thinking about moving in with her which felix thinks is way too quick but i personally found very endearing <laughs> um yeah i don't know i i think even the characters you don't see as much like annette and stuff like just They feel, like, really real and integrated into Felix's life and Sylvain's too, sort of. Um, And I just liked so much how we saw, like, our cast of characters come together. I also probably later will get into the Rodrigue of this fic, um, because I think that also ties into sort of, like, what what this author is taking from canon and what they are adapting. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I liked our cast of characters so much, and I liked the, the lives that they had outside of just whatever the hell Sylvain and Felix are doing. We got to meet Glenn. Yeah. I really liked
2: Glenn. He was kind of one of my faves. I'm sad that he's supposed to be dead. He is
1: super. Oh, I guess I should maybe give a little bit of context in case you haven't listened to our other Fire Emblem discussions and or if I didn't mention that in there, because who knows? Canonically, when Dimitri is young, his parents they get into an accident basically his parents are ambushed and they die and so does glenn who is like protecting his parents in this fic um dimitri's parents did die in the past and glenn was with them but uh glenn survived and like Ooh. also pulled dimitri out of the accident um so he's very much alive and well in this fic yeah i liked him a lot as well he's spunky I liked his
0: energy. One of my favorite things about this fic, it really endeared me to Felix as a character because he's so stormy and especially before they get to his house as they're like on their way and he's thinking about this and he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to pretend to be in love with Sylvain. He is imagining that it will be so bad and I'm like, oh no, he has a bad family and he's gonna have a miserable time. And probably in that miserable time, Sylvain will be the only shining light, and then he'll fall in love, maybe unhealthily, actually, in that way. But it's that's probably how it's gonna happen. And then they get there and everyone's kind of lovely. And <laughs> I was like, oh, hold on. Felix is just broody. And everyone is like, oh, Felix, we're so happy to see you. Yay. And he's like, ah, uh, I've never known happiness or peace in my life. And It's like, oh, that's just his vibe. He's just kind of emo. I like that as a choice. I can't imagine that's actually what it's like in the canon, but I really enjoyed that as a choice. Well, that he's broody. Yes. That everyone else is very cheerful around him.
1: Oh, maybe no. less so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That his circumstances are good. I cannot imagine is the yeah. case in canon um but i just liked that as a choice so much it felt very tonally appropriate for like a, a christmas rom-com
2: yeah i think one of my like favorite parts about this in like terms of it being kind of a rom-com in some ways is absolutely the discrepancies between like how felix perceives everything <laughs> and like the reality of it which i guess he okay unreliable? i mean hmm <laughs> oh oh, oh that's what i was just about to say (laughs) sorry my telepathy with you got ahead of you (laughs) i know we were in sync in that moment um i don't think he's like intentionally trying to conceal anything from us the audience it's just like how he perceives things but like his perception is very skewed like he he is not perceiving things in the same way that everyone around him is perceiving them. <laughs> Which is like, Felix, you have a loving brother and, like, a loving father and, like, all of these great people in your life. And, like, yeah, I mean, there's been shitty stuff, too, and, like, we definitely touch on on that. Like, you know, these these hardships with various friends in his life and, like, the grief that those people were going through and how that affected Felix. Like, it's not to say everything's just, like, a happy good time for him. But it is also very funny to just watch him be like, everything's absolutely miserable 24-7. It's like, you're going ice skating, bud. Like, it's okay.
1: (laughs) I feel like, because what we get in this fic is, like, Felix feeling a whole host of complicated emotions about his relationship to Dimitri, who, like, used to be a good friend, and then you know something went really bad, and now, like, is living at his house because he's dating Glenn, and, like, Felix has all sorts of, like, complicated feelings about his brother and his dad, and, like... I kind of kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and it just didn't because like, yeah, in canon, when Glenn dies, that fucks Felix up real bad. And like, he has like all sorts of resentment towards his father. And like, before you meet Rodrigue in the game, at least for me, like I was kind of led to believe like, oh, maybe he's like a shitty father, sort of akin to Sylvain's dad being a shitty dad and shitty to his sons. But it really was like Rodrigue was like. Glenn was a soldier, and he was protecting people he cared about, and he died, and that's sad, but he, like, cared about what he was doing. And Felix is like, you didn't care about him at all, blah, 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 and he's just, like, angry and hates his dad. And so in this fake, it's like, I don't know, he has resentment, but, like, meanwhile, we have, like, Rodrigue Fraldarius' home for wayward (laughs) gays. Like, he's just hanging out. He's being very chill. Like, part of the reason that Felix even goes along with this fake dating thing is because, like— He's like, oh, this is going to piss off my dad so bad. And then his dad is like, hello, Sylvain. Nice to see you. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I kept waiting for the shoot to drop of being like, what is this horrible thing that happened between Felix and Dimitri? Or, like, is there more resentment between him and Rodrigue? And, like, yes, there is definitely, like, grief and complicated past emotions. The fact that Felix was in love with Dimitri. Like, that all colors Felix's relationship, especially with Dimitri. And, like... That isn't to say that like there aren't things for Felix to be upset about, but I think I just kept waiting for them to be like worse than they were. And then they just weren't. And that was okay.
0: Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, and I think like one thing I love about fake dating fake when it's executed in service of the characters themselves and it's like built around them and their relationships and their characterizations is that I feel like authors then are able to really take into account what a person in a relationship would be like and how the pretend relationship might like chafe against or accommodate that way of being like felix and sylvain don't walk in all over each other they're not making out in front of felix's dad or whatever um felix is giving off massive don't touch me vibes pretty much the entire fic uh until the end at which point he is giving off touch-me-immediately vibes for, like, a while. (laughs) So, like, respect to him. He really has a moment at the end there. Um, Several moments. But before that, yeah, he's he's a little bit standoffish. He's very reserved, like, physically, emotionally. And the relationship works because, in part— Okay, so the two of them, Felix and Sylvain, have known each other for a very, very long time, like, pretty much their whole lives, to my understanding, in the fic. They had a falling out and then didn't speak for a while. Uh, before this, and then after not speaking for what, like a year,
1: about a year, about yeah. A
0: year, um, they immediately jump into fake dating. So it's interesting because you see them like falling back into what you can only assume are old conversational patterns and old behavioral patterns with each other, uh, but also trying to make sense of this like new piece. And I liked that there wasn't this additional like pressure and burden. From performing the relationship. Everyone in their lives is like, of course you two are dating. Which like also makes sense to me. I'm always surprised in a fake dating fic when someone is like, I'm on to you. And it's like, when in your life would you like assume that your friend brought home a fake partner for the holidays? Or like your child brought home a fake partner? (laughs) Like it doesn't really make sense. Um so in that way, they're not necessarily like desperately trying to keep up the ruse at all costs. But they are getting all of this time and like space to be together in a way that they haven't been able to in a year. I just thought it was so like well thought out and well executed and very, very cognizant of the characters that this author was using and how this author wanted to characterize them. Now I'm just repeating myself. It was good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of on that Nick, when you're just like, "Oh, like nobody was surprised at them dating." This fic is also really funny, and one of the funniest moments for me was pretty early in the fic where um, Sylvain, Ingrid, and Felix are getting Dunkin' Donuts before this like three-hour drive back to their hometown, and like Felix gets a text from Glenn that's like, "Oh, I heard about Sylvain," like blah blah blah, and Felix is Felix goes, "She, uh, she being Annette, she told you Sylvain was driving us," from Glenn. Yes, because that's fucking fascinating information, Felix. I can't think of anything more interesting than who's (laughs) driving a car at any given time. You know the thrill I get from rideshare services. (laughs) This is before Felix knows that Annette has told um, Felix's family that he's dating Sylvain. Mm -hmm. And I was just like audibly laughing. Like, one, yes, I loved that Glenn was like, of course you're dating. But two, I just thought it was very funny.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Something I wanted to talk about was like kind of the classic feelings um reveal towards the end of the fic i mean it's really not like the end of the fic there's like still more after it but um i don't know so obviously you know as a reader of this fic you are aware that felix has feelings for sylvain and you're pretty like you're like yeah even though felix isn't seeing it like sylvain obviously has feelings for felix like why other otherwise why would he be doing this like this is such a silly thing to do um and you're also pretty sure that like there have been some strings that were pulled by friends early on that like more so than Felix is realizing as well that like friends are definitely in on this um but like that ruse is kept up pretty well for like most of their fake dating time in this fic and like one of the moments that I found really like ow and like in a good way like I was I was cheering for it but it hurt um was like basically sylvain has been very like oh i don't know about my life like i'll just do whatever next like maybe i'll go back to ucla maybe i'll travel felix was like but you're like broke and he's like well i'm earning money from like doing this because like annette
0: had offered to annette annette's paying him right yeah. like that's how
2: what we're supposed to believe
1: annette initially um, i think
0: felix was gonna pay him on top of it to come and fake date him
1: <laughs> right and that right. was paying okay. him a thousand it. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Annette was paying... Well, Annette via Mercedes' money was paying him a thousand bucks, and then Felix was going to pay him another thousand bucks.
2: Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'll have 2K. I can totally go to, like, Costa Rica or somewhere. And then later on, we learned that, like, no, Annette via Mercedes was never going to pay him. This was all Sylvain's idea that, like, he had to convince Ingrid to, like, cancel her Mm -hmm. flight. Like, he's the one who has been making all of this, like, happen on the other side. And you're like... (sighs) (laughs) rattling the bars of my cage i i don't know i just really liked it because like you knew there had to be a twist you know and there's some other twists too like one about sylvain coming out to like new york reed's making a face i'll let them talk about it in a second (laughs) but like you know you get a few little twists but that one in particular i was like ah love and dedication
1: can you believe can you even believe yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I really liked about this fake is, like, as we have said, it, it really leans into the classic trope of fake dating, but there are these twists. So you get, like, they've been, okay, they've been at the house for, like, a number of days, so I can't believe this question didn't come up sooner. But a bunch of them are hanging out, and finally someone's like, oh, how did the two of you, like, even get together? And, like, why are we just finding this out now? And Sylvain gives this whole little spiel. He's like, you know, like... I saw Felix at like my brother's funeral and I realized I had feelings, but then I it, it was a weird time, so I flew out in the spring and that's when we started talking, but we didn't really get together until later, and like blah blah blah, and like, oh, I've I've like been in love with him since forever, but he never realized like ha ha ha. And Felix is sitting there like, Sylvain, you're a shitty liar. Is it like aren't lies supposed to be believable? And I'm like me rattling Felix, like, you're so stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those moments where I was like, Okay, like, yes, obviously I was aware that Sylvain was like telling a bit of the truth. But that like bit about him coming out in the spring, I thought was just sort of like flavor. And also you get like Ingrid looking at Sylvain weird. And I thought it was one of those like, oh, Ingrid is realizing that Sylvain like isn't lying and that he has feelings for Felix. And then you find out from Ingrid slipping up later that Sylvain did in fact fly out in the spring, came to campus to tell Felix he loved him, backed out and then begged Ingrid like not to tell Felix that it ever happened. And I was like oh woof like not only did that twist like really get me but also like recontextualizing that scene where Ingrid is like looking at Sylvain I was like I am understanding the strings that like the hand that Ingrid had in this so much more like she had so much more of a hand in this than I had thought that was so good
0: yeah I had a feeling that Sylvain actually had flown out for some reason or another and then i got confused later on because i think the only way that ingrid refers to it initially is like oh yeah and sylvain came out in the spring and i was like hold on <laughs> totally thought it was about sexuality and got extremely confused i was like but but then okay so we didn't know we did know that sylvain is gay though like i got very confused but we we, we brought it back no worries um uh, and yeah I, I had an inkling and I appreciate that this author allowed me to have an inkling and then get to be like, yes, once I uh, cleared up my <laughs> own confusion uh, later on. There, Yeah, there's a lot of really fun stuff that gets sort of um, resolved in various ways. I think the author did a good job of tying up loose ends, too. There's a really, like, touching and, like, left open-ended but not in an unsatisfying way a resolution with Felix and Dimitri, where they get to talk about some of their awkwardness. Um, they don't fix it, but they do address it. And like that felt like a really good way to do that. Like there were so many moments like that where you get one piece of something earlier on and then it does get discussed and resolved or at least touched on later on in the fic that it felt satisfying in that way to me
1: as this is a um, fake dating fic and as we said is pretty troopy and happy I do just need to talk about the actual getting together and the realizations um, it's New Year's of course it's New Year's when else were they gonna have a kiss if it's the holiday mm-hmm. time but New Year's where Felix Well,
2: you could pull the classic mistletoe so moment. that's true that, that is so true fake dating sorry just to play devil's advocate for one singular moment
1: <laughs> no you're so right um, Felix had previously been like don't kiss me and then like th- it's about to be new year's and sylvain's like i'm not gonna kiss you and felix is like you well you i mean like i get like if you wanted to like for the ruse of it right it'd be so weird like you should i think you should just do it um and then they kiss and like wow there's so many feelings but like they um as nick said earlier the felix has the like touch me all of the time please but there isn't really like necessarily they don't really get into the feelings of it like i think you as the reader like oh great and now they both know that they have feelings for each other but it like really sort of ties together when um sylvain is driving felix back to syracuse and it's just the two of them in the car um and felix like asks sort of what's going to be happening next and sylvain's like oh i don't know that's up to you and um i'm just gonna skim read some of the dialogue from the scene because it made me very soft um so felix says why is it just up to me because i'll be doing the same thing regardless of what you decide sylvain says Oh, yeah? What's that? Continuing to love you with everything I am, Sylvain says. Do you want to try and stop for coffee? Felix can hear nothing but a dull buzzing sound. What? He asks. Coffee, Sylvain says again. He drums his fingers against the steering wheel. Or tea, if you're not feeling coffee. Maybe a scone for the road, and it, like, goes on a little bit, and like I said, I just kind of skimmed through there. But, like, even knowing that was coming, the, like, continuing to love you with everything I am... Ah! AO3 user Astrid Fisher. I am rattling my computer screen. I just really like them. And this just felt like such a satisfying wrap up to this, like, very indulgent fic. Like, it was so sweet and good and nice. And I care Sylvain so much. Um, And then Felix kind of just loses his mind a little bit in a really fun way. Um, But... It just felt like a really, really satisfactory wrap up, I think, to the fake dating and to this fic as a whole and felt very like in line with with everything we had gotten before. Yeah, so this was a just simply delightful little fake dating during the holidays fic. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm glad that my co-hosts did, too. Um, I do think it's pretty accessible even if you know as much about Fire Emblem Canon as my co-hosts, or even less. What do you what does um, that mean? <laughs> oh, nothing. Oh. Anyway, what just I just would recommend if you're looking for something like nice to put you in a good mood, uh, this fic certainly did that for me.
2: In Reed's fic, there is a brother who is dead who is also dead in canon, and a brother who is alive who is dead in canon. In my fic, There's a brother who is dead, who is dead in canon, and also a brother who is dead for a little while and then comes back. Also canon.
0: (laughs) Looking forward to it.
2: Alright, so my fic for this episode is Four Days in Lonling by Halo Tolerant. Uh, This is a fic for The Untamed slash MDZS. And like I said at the beginning, the relationship in this fic is Zhang Cheng and Ni Hai Song. This is not a pairing I particularly feel a lot of feelings about, but these are two characters I really like. And I really like the characterization of them in this fic. Um, So also it's just fun to like talk about something different in the same universe i feel like everything i've brought for the untamed so far and like probably would bring in the future is very like Wei Wuxian, long one centric um so it's fun to like have a departure from that and see some of the other characters in the world like do their thing um in terms of content warnings for this, uh, most of the stuff that comes up is pretty canon-based, so like canon character deaths, uh, and then our main characters are sort of dealing with grief and loss around that. Definitely some like issues with trauma. Um, also, while I wouldn't say that there's any like child abuse, there is definitely some like manipulation of our main child character Jinling going on. That's like the vibes just aren't great. That's kind of a central premise of this: is that like maybe no one's really looking out for this kid. Um, and then i would also say that like there is some level of ah uh, like dub con or like dubiousness about the sex scenes in this fic um and we'll get it i'll give you some more context on that probably as we go out it's mostly because of like the sort of untruths these characters are like holding on to lies, so if you will. um <laughs> i said lies if you will <laughs> if you will yes um So quick, like, premise for this fic before we get into, like, what my co-hosts thought. Uh, This fic basically takes place at two points in time. Um, Chapter, like, the first and the last chapter take place kind of post-canon. And then the middle chapters take place during the, like, 16 years that Wei Wuxian is dead. Um, I don't remember exactly how many. ah, Jinling is supposed to be, what, seven? Um,
1: Yes, yes. I I think somewhere around there.
2: Yeah, so approximately like kind of halfway through that time. Uh, Obviously, you know who our main characters are. um, And it's sort of it's the point in the middle is structured around both of them attending a conference to commemorate the end of the Sunshot campaign that the Jin clan is holding. Um, And there's a lot of like political stuff. I will admit that some of this gets a little bit cloudy in my memory about the canon too because i don't fully have a hundred percent grasp on some of the timeline issues within mdcs (laughs) um but you know we're just we're going we're going on vibes we're going on character work um it's very good the premise of this fic is largely set on the fact that at the end of canon we as readers realize that nye hai has basically been pulling a lot of strings this whole time and we knew that there were, like, a few kind of puppet masters to the story, and we knew that, like, Jin Guangyao had been, like, a big one, but we don't, we really underestimate Huaisung like, this entire time, right? So that's, like, a big reveal in canon, and this fic kind of goes back and shows us some of the work that maybe he was doing uh, during it, and it sort of touches on things that we know that he's done actually in canon to kind of set up the parts that happened, like, 16 years after Wei Wuxian's death, but it also kind of makes up its own stuff as well cuz like we don't at least in the in the show, I can't speak for the book, I haven't actually read it, but like in the show we don't really know a lot about how Jin Ling was raised in those 16 years, so this kind of plays around with that concept. Um yeah, so lots of scheming, um lots of Niehoshang pretending to be ignorant and stupid. Um, when really, he's probably usually one of the smartest guys in the room. Um, so that's, again, it's, it's tagged unreliable narrator, but it is a Jung Chung POV fic, and I would not say he's unreliable. Um, he's just maybe getting misinformation. He's almost too reliable. <laughs> he's, like very, he's very reliable, actually. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a really fun little fic about lying and scheming and trying to make the world better through it, um, for the most part. So, yeah, I had a good time with it. I really like these characters. I think this does a great job of, like, playing in the kind of complex political world of MDZS. But I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts thought.
0: Okay, Figlets, if you've been around for a little while, then you have heard about the uh, the untamed modern AU Fickbender of December 2020 <laughs> that I went on. Uh, Wherein I read, oh baby, upwards of like 800,000 words of fic for the untamed in a month. It was a choice that I made in this life. (laughs) And it means that my knowledge of the actual canon of this show is whack. Um, There are a lot of things that I probably think are canon that are not. There are a lot of things that I probably don't realize I actually do know that are canon. Uh, in the ways that they have been interpreted in these modern AUs. All of them were for what you would consider the main pairing of this fandom, probably. Uh, so I have seen quite a bit of Zhang Cheng and Nia song as side characters, but their characterization has varied wildly. My understanding of Nia song from all of the fic that I read in December a year and a half ago is primarily like the openly queer friend of the group, who dresses ostentatiously and like says little like sly one-liners, <laughs> implying that he knows what's going on, but then won't help further. That's the vibe um, that I got, which doesn't seem completely inaccurate to this particular guy. But this, the one in this fic, seemed probably a lot closer to the one in the show, maybe because it's a canon verse fic. Just guessing. Um, I think both of those are kind of
2: right <laughs> at certain points. I feel like the, I feel like the version in a lot of modern AUs kind of draws from like the earlier parts of canon where everyone's a little bit more young and mm. naive about the world and less like bitter and hardened by the deaths of their various siblings. Yeah, that makes um, sense. <laughs> But also like definitely pulls from the like oh we actually know that he's the puppet master and not just like hiding behind his fan like
0: who me i don't know anything yeah right because i'm reading this and they're like oh yeah jiang yanli like we miss her and i'm like oh yeah she's so nice like she brought her kid over that one time to go hang out with Wei (laughs) (laughs) xian and it's like okay i'm not living in this reality (laughs) but that's okay it did take me this is a six chapter fic though i believe the fifth chapter is longer than most of the other ones um, it did take me like the first three to get oriented. So, ficlets. If you're not familiar with the untamed, I will say you might struggle a little bit here. I did eventually get oriented. I think like once you sort of understand what's happening, and you are able to parse what is important to the fic and what is less important to the fic regarding like the politics and stuff happening in the background, then I think you will be fine. If you are The Untamed or MDZS fandom adjacent, I believe you can do it uh, because I did it (laughs) and I enjoyed it and I'm glad I read this fic. So that was all good. And then the last thing I want to say in my little intro piece is just how like inherently funny I find the concept of the fact that like this fic in its core plot during like the middle bits, not the after canon bits, is like hooking up with someone you underestimated at a work conference and I found that like, incredible <laughs> actually <laughs> I like that so much <sighs> um, so yeah overall I had a fun time with it I liked it
1: yeah Um, I feel like I had maybe slightly better footing in this fic um, Bren and I started The Untamed and then many 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 things have gotten in the way of us continuing it we watched like I don't know 9 episodes maybe a couple more but that's like 9 hours of content um because the episodes are all quite long <laughs> um and i feel like that helped like it helped me put like some faces to names um and i was doing my best to draw on the info i had like i had no idea who jin guangyao was and then um, in Zhang Chung's narration he mentions his hat and I was like oh, it's evil little hat boy who becomes evil because he has a hat that people make fun of him for okay like you also have to understand <laughs> that apart from these nine episodes my understanding of The Untamed is heavily 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 influenced by things that Brenna has said to me So, and my- also
2: my fixation on his hat like I'm sorry <laughs> I do think it's central to his character but there's also a lot more going on with him that I've never explained to you guys about like why he's evil that's
0: okay <laughs> but no, it's it's okay we can he just- has believe a it's the hat.
1: hat yeah well so the two villains that i know of are boy whose finger was run over by a cart and boy who gets made fun of for bad hat and that's yeah um and Wei yes. wuxian. he's not a villain i was well, trying I to cause know. controversy <laughs> no. on our podcast okay in
0: the modern au's he's not he's very sweet and traumatized if you were wondering
1: <laughs> yeah that tracks um yeah, but I, from the episodes that I watched, um, I was surprised by how much I loved Nye Song's character. Like he, what a delightful little gay boy that is. Um, I think I tweeted at one point, um, there's like a, it's like, it's like from a pokedex entry or like pokemon fact or something and it's when three magnemite link together to become magneton their brains also combine but they don't get any smarter and that is how i felt with every single scene that was nye Song, Zhang chung and wei wuxian like presumably very competent people on their own but just what are they doing anyway um which is to say that i very much understood brenna's feelings of like maybe you didn't have like the strongest inclinations about this ship as a ship, but you really liked those characters and therefore wanted to read more of them. Um, which is kind of how I felt about this. Like I think sometimes we talk about like, oh, I wasn't into this ship, but this fic, like, really convinced me. I liked them in this fic. I don't think I would go like searching necessarily for this pairing, but the character like it was really fun to be in Jung Chung's POV, um and yeah, like I said, like I really just was delighted by the Ni Pai song of the show. And I don't know if it's like having that tiny bit of canon knowledge or if it was maybe just like things Brenna had told us about this fic, but going in kind of knowing that he pulls all of these strings made for such a satisfying read because there's like, he like goes up to John Chung and he's like, oh, like, I don't even know what the, what were they even talking about? A weapons tax? Like, what? That's so funny. Like, I don't even have any weapons, but the Jin clan does. Ha ha ha. So funny. Right. And I'm like, you are so clever. Like... I don't know. There was something really gratifying about sort of already knowing he was this like mastermind and being able to see him at work. I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's like largely the most delightful part of this fic for me um, is exactly that. Like, I have read other fics with these two and like would again, but it's largely again because I really like these two characters and I feel like the opportunities to read fic from one of their POVs is rather limited. And the other, like, main ship with Song, isn't one that I'm into. So I'm kind of, like, over here playing in this space just because these are the characters who I really like. <laughs> um, but I think also, like, the interesting thing about, like, my journey with The Untamed is, like, when I first started watching it, I was like, Wei Wuxian, that's my boy. I really like that one, you know? And by the end, I was like, I do love Wei Wuxian, but Lan Zhan is the one I would die for. Like, you know. But I think another character who like, I went on a journey with and have continued to go on a journey with beyond just my time watching the show for the first time is Zhang Cheng. Like, I really like him as a character. And like, the more I think about it, the more upset I get. <laughs> because I feel like, He's one of these people who's very, he wants to be able to take the world at kind of like a surface level. He wants to be able to trust the things around him and trust the people around him. And he has this like deep sense of like loyalty and like what that looks like to him. And he struggles a lot with the fact that like things may not always be as they seem. And like people have conflicting motivations and they do conflicting things and that like obviously he never really comes to terms with like everything that's happened with Wei Wuxian, um, and I just think he's a really interesting character to be able to dig a little bit deeper into because of that. Like he comes off as kind of simplistic, but I don't, I don't think he actually is. I think he just like wants to be able to view the world in a simple way and therefore tries to present himself in a simple way, um, and that's kind of what we see a lot of in this fic as well. Like he tries to be very straightforward and like he's again taking things at a face value for most of the time which is exactly why he's able to be puppeted by niehoi Sang so artfully throughout this but his intentions are also good like what niehoi sung wants a lot of from this fic is like Jung Cheng to be more actively involved in Jinling's life because he's been watching what the Jin like sect is doing to this kid and is like, this isn't good. Let's not do this. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just, I have a lot of feelings. There's a specific scene I want to like get back to, um, that just like made me shriek, um, about. How I feel like this fic does so much work through like plot, but also shows us character through that, and I think like that's just something I love in fiction, and I think this this does it really really well.
0: It's good. W- were we in Nia Hui Song's point of view? I do think this easily could have been an unreliable narrator fic. Um, yeah, Zhang Cheng, I think we said this earlier, is very reliable. He he gives us what he's got. <laughs> Uh, What he's got just is not always a lot, if you will, Uh, which is unfortunate for him, but you know, he gets there eventually. One of my favorite parts is at the very end, Nyohei Song, it's like, you were not supposed to figure this out for another, like, four years. (laughs) Um, I just found that very funny. I also really enjoyed that, like Reed was saying, this didn't make me think, like, this is my new OTP, but I don't think it wanted to necessarily, like... This fic seems so interested in their dynamic and in their individual characterizations in a way that, like, there were some parts that you could consider romantic, and there definitely is, like, banging happening here. Uh, But I don't think the fic is inherently extremely romantic. There is a lot of, like, intimacy and there's a lot of closeness and a lot of, like, exploration of each other and themselves. And I don't think it needed me to be, like playing the wedding march on the piano by the end of this fic. (laughs) I don't know, like, even the very ending, spoilers, I'm just going. Um, When Jung Cheng is like, I need your help, basically, and kneels in front of Nia Huaisang, and they have that whole moment there. Like, was it romantic? I don't know. I liked it so much though. It was extremely intense. It was very interesting. Like their dynamic was so like I love that it is changed from what we saw in the fic, but still very true to both of their characters. I love that the glimmers we saw of Nihuai Sung's like calculatingness earlier on. Even like knowing from the very first chapter that Nihuai Sung is doing all of this, right? That we we know he's the mastermind, uh, in some capacity to Zhang Chang at least. By the end, when we see the facade drop. It's great. It's so satisfying. It's so cool. Like, I didn't need them to, like, get married, you know? And I really like that in a story when the author knows exactly what they're trying to do and what kind of relationship they want to portray, and they're not worried about this, like, pretty easy fanfiction happy ending, you know? I just always admire that.
2: Yeah, so one scene I really, really liked in this fic um, is sort of towards the end of like them being at this cultivation conference and uh ni and Zheng chung are like unexpectedly um accosted i guess by Long wanji and like this scene has so many layers can of you explain meaning it, to it me, makes Britta. me feel nuts. i read it and i was like he's grieving and i've got nothing else <laughs> i certainly can try yes okay. Long Ji's side of things is pretty simple. He is grieving. He blames Zhang Chang. He also, like, is not convinced that, like, Wei Wuxian is fully gone from this world because no one was ever able to recover his body. And valid, I think, that's... to my understanding of the canon. <laughs> yes. So that's that's his side. Pretty straightforward. Um, Zhang Chang's side is also pretty straightforward. He is mad at Long Ji for, a, like, variety of complex emotions um and his the line that like made me feel just feral i'm wait, wondering if it's it? the same
1: line i pulled that made me feel oh. deeply unwell
2: i don't know it's one where it's like how dare you be sad jung chung wants to spit out how dare you long one g act as if you have it worse than me well when, when you still have this and i have no one this being long one g's relationship with his brother um who's also, like, present in this moment, Um, that just made me... ah, Because I feel like that's so, like, the core of everything with Jung Chang. Like, he's just not able to wrap his head around or, like, not willing to delve into his emotions about the betrayal that he feels and the loss and the grief and, like, I think not a small amount of guilt that he, like, really is unwilling to examine. Anyway... So great, great for me and my, like, Jung Chung, <laughs> um, apologist self for this moment. <laughs> the stuff with Ni Hai Sung in this scene is, like, the stuff that's slightly more complicated. Um, and I think I have this correct. I, I do apologize to any of our Untamed fan listeners if I get some of this wrong. Um, it has been a little bit, w- a little while since I interacted with this canon in a deep and meaningful way, um but basically long one ji is yelling at jung chung about like is he gone like you were never we were never able to find anything like what have you done with him like do you ha- like do you have him essentially no the answer is no jung chung does not have him this is where i'm like a little bit fuzzy on like what i don't know where he really was or like where his soul was but it's niehai song that sets up basically him coming back 16 years later so Nyehua song has been basically kind of does know a little bit more at this point like we're led to believe in this fic that like his spiritual powers have not fully dispersed and that like his soul essence is out there somewhere.
1: Wait, because so I thought he he came back because basically a guy was like, I'm going to summon the soul of the yielding Patriarch into my body to, like, take revenge or blah, blah, blah. Yes. How but Nye Huai sung is
2: the one who sets all of that up by, like, puppeting.
1: Yes, of ah, course. He is yes. a good little puppet master. Yes. Um, so
2: he's basically the one who even like suggests to this person like oh maybe you'd be able to call in the spirit of like the yiling patriarch mm. we don't in the show we like don't see any of this on screen it's kind of like you just have to put it together from like some context clues and like literally a shot of like a person behind a fan in like the first episode <laughs> oh, wow. um so this is where this is why i'm saying like a little bit muddy on this as well but like that's that's part of it and then like you know after like jing guang yao gets there and Ni hua sung is just like acting very upset he's like it didn't make sense like blah blah, blah. um and like i like the part a lot where it was like um i had no idea long one g was gonna do that niehoi sung says he sounds almost lost because for niehoi sung it's so much is about the fact that he's always able to see what people are gonna do so many steps out and in this moment like long one g really did surprise him he like did not see that interaction coming um nor being like this kind of topic being brought up so i don't know that scene just had like a lot of different each character is coming to it with so much baggage and this is like right after also like niehoi sung is like talking about like the death of his brother which we also know niehoi sung like knows shit about that like he everyone else is trying to cover up so there's like a lot of things happening here um and this is also like we know by this point that, like, Nye Huai-sung knows that Jin Guangyao is, like, not really a good guy. And, like, a lot of his machinations in this are, like, to get Jin Ling more away from Jin Guangyao. Um, at least that's my reading of everything. If any of our Untamed fans wants to come in and be like, Brenna, you're a clown. This is how it really is. <laughs> oh, no. I'm happy to hear you out. Oh, <laughs> well, be nice, though. But this is how I took it.
1: <laughs> I welcome the ficlets tagging you in the Discord, just, just going, you're yeah. a clown. <laughs> well, they're welcome to do that at
2: any point about anything, <laughs> but yes. That's fair.
1: Um, I want to touch on something kind of different, but a little bit um off of what you've been saying early on about the line that basically, like, one of the many things that Zhang Chung struggles with is, like family and his lack thereof um because like i don't fully know what his dynamic is with jinling in canon but like it's it's kind of a tough relationship here um he is one of jinling's eight thousand uncles but one of the closest uncle one of the truest uncles i think biologically um, like one of his few actually like
2: directly blood related uncles yes. yes
1: because um Zhang Cheng's sister is Jinling's, well, was Jin Ling's mother um, uncle. But as I gather Jinling has a lot of uncles anyway. But there's a like there's a scene sort of earlier on in this conference where um, Jinling kind of comes like bursting into the dining hall or conference room. I don't really know. And uh, Zhang Cheng goes up to him and it is kind of disastrous. Like Jinling just is crying. Um, and it isn't until Mie Paisong pulls all of his little puppet master strings that um, like Zhang Cheng even really has the thought to take Jin Ling back to Lotus Pier and like raise him at least in part there. But I like even from what I could gather from this fic like there are so many messy complicated emotions there like it's his dead sister's kid a kid that she had with someone he hated and like now is being raised by like the father's family but maybe that's not really great. But maybe at the time, Nye hui Song is the only one who realizes like the Jin clan is like not great. Anyway, I just thought that was so interesting that you get so much of Jan Chung's struggles about family and like Jin Ling is kind of this centerpiece that is still like a really, really difficult thing for him, and, like a difficult piece of his life to slot in. But like a a quote unquote burden, he like very much is willing to take on just like a complicated one. There are a lot of double meanings to things in this fic
0: Um, by design, by this author, and also by Nia Huaisang's design as well. Uh, One of the ones that got me the very most was uh, after they are intimate for the first time, I think the first time, maybe second time, I don't fully remember, Um, Nia Huaisang says to Zhang Cheng about why it's a bad idea for them to keep doing so. He says, "I don't know if it's a good idea for a clever person to allow themselves to be intimate with a foolish one, not if they are both to survive." So I copied that down and just wrote "woof," because like, "oh, baby, it's true." And Zhang Chang in his narration, of course, is like, "That's so true. He's so foolish. Great point." Uh, and I'm so clever, so uh, we probably shouldn't do this anymore. And it's like, oh, my guy, that's not that's not the one that you are in that sentence. Uh, I just, oh, it was good. Like, it's so on the nose, but it was on the nose in a way that was so perfect for the moment in the fic where it was, like, placed. And it felt very good as a reader to read that and go, ooh, uh-oh. Because I think in part, it's it was fun to read because we have the context of chapter 1 we know jung-chung figures it out eventually and so it is nice to get all of these like clues and then by the end right we're in chapter 5 or right before we flash back forward again we get that really almost heavy-handed but not in a bad way at all line that lets us come all the way back around full circle to like all right buddy it's time to figure it out now
2: I think also because, like, that line is such a kindness mm-hmm.
0: to Jung Chung
2: in this way that, like, he thinks he knows, he thinks he knows in what way it is, but, like, it really is in pretty much the complete opposite way that he won't realize for many more years.
1: I think there's also, like, an equally as, like, meaningful and impactful sort of double double meaning in that scene, and it is where Jung Chung goes, <laughs> you can ride my sword if you like, and I was like, oh my God. hello? I was like, What a wild out of character innuendo before I forgot that is a thing they canonically do in the show. Yeah, Yeah.
2: they like surf on them basically. Take it from
0: someone who didn't know this was a canonical thing in the show. I was like, okay. I just moved on. I didn't even think it was that weird. I was like, all right. He's just like this now, I guess.
1: He's not. I, no, I I do agree though. There are, there are a couple of those like sort of um, double meanings. There's one I, can't find the quote now, but it was, like, something way earlier. Oh, I, I, I lied. I scrolled back through my notes and I found it. Haha. <laughs> Where Nye Song says, like, one might think it was a simple ornament, no function except decoration. Perhaps at times this misconception allows it to be yet more lethal. And I'm like, yeah. yet yeah, Like, in some ways it feels like he's being so transparent, but it only feels like that because I already, like, had all the pieces to start with. Like, I don't blame Jung Chung for, like, not realizing things sooner. I just got to go in with the knowledge of partially knowing what happens in this fic beforehand (laughs) and knowing like Nye Song a little bit as a character.
2: All right. So that was our chat about four days in Lonling, a fic about manipulation, lying, scheming, and also maybe like family and honesty and truth. So, you know, a lot of different themes going on there. Um, I think if you like these characters, it's a really enjoyable read, even if you don't really care about the ship or like have any desire to ship them. Um, I certainly know that that's how I consumed this, um, and I was very happy to discuss this one with my co-hosts, particularly for this this theme. In my fic, uh, the characters mostly battle with their words. Um, In the next fic, two moms battle with knives at a wedding.
0: My fic for this episode is Sui Juris by AO3 User Impertinence for the book series The Queen's Thief. Our pairing is Costas slash Kamet. We are doing our best on pronunciations, ficlets. Not a one of your hosts have read this book series, so we're doing our best here. We got some assistance from some friends of the pod. I would like to first shout out a friend and author of the pod, not spring for recommending this fic in the first place and giving a bit of context and a friend of the pod Cassie, for giving a lot more context and uh, handholding through a bit of the, uh, how the heck do these people know each other and how different is this fic from Canon? This fic is ostensibly Canon verse, but not Canon compliant to my understanding. It's like a, this could have happened in the world of these books, but it didn't come um, and in Costas are life, partners in the books. Okay, I'm going to be spoiling books I haven't read. Figlets, pee-pee pew. I don't fully know what I'm talking about, but I'm doing my best here. Uh, Costas is a soldier for the Aetolian Empire who rescues Komet, who was formerly enslaved in the Mede Empire. Uh, they go back to the Aetolian Empire together, become friends with the titular queen's thief, who then becomes the king, Jen, or Eugenides. And they work together, and they do stuff together, and then they move into a little cottage. That's my understanding. Uh, in this fic, they are kind of like on a, a work partner trip, where initially they're not doing anything particularly exciting, and they are confused for husbands, uh, which come at accidentally, well, partially accidentally, extremely enables, uh, and then they are sent as undercover fake husbands to investigate an assassination threat in a neighboring country, I guess, uh, of Edis. So it is a fake dating fic. It is a slightly different, I would say, flavor of fake dating from Reed's fic. Uh, They don't approach each other with some kind of a plan. They don't say we need to deceive this person, that person, and the other. Uh, Instead, they basically get confused for being married and go, well, that's more convenient, probably, uh, and roll with it. And then that is kind of used to the crown's advantage later on. There is some action, there is some tropiness, there is quite a bit of humor, I would say, despite the fact that it takes a fairly, like, somewhat elevated fantasy tone and vocabulary. Uh, I liked it quite a lot. I didn't know what to expect at all (laughs) because I went into it not really knowing much. Um, So yeah, that all I liked. So the, the main content warning is stabbing for this fic. But he's fine, don't worry. Um yeah, I would say overall, like it is fairly lighthearted. Um it's not fluffy, really. And there is a little bit of like, you know, will they, won't they, tension, angst, my pining is unrequited. Like obviously it's not the situation happening here as you see in a lot of fanfiction. Um, but I thought it was interesting. It's like fifteen K, by the way. Those are my initial impressions. I will say more in a
1: moment. Um co hosts, I almost called you figlets. What what did you think? <laughs> I guess I could be a ficklet too. I've been re-listening to some of our old episodes, and I'm, I'm a fan of them. I think they're pretty good, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes, I found this quite enjoyable. Um, Ficklets who have listened to this pod for some length of time are probably familiar with the fact that I don't love not knowing things if I think they're easily googleable. Um, So I was like, oh, I'll just do a quick little, like, search on the Queen's Thief. Very hard to find info. Well, okay, I say very hard. I didn't try super hard, I guess. But I was hoping for, like, a nice Wikipedia summary that would give me, like, the info I needed. I got a very bare-bones Wikipedia summary for the first book that did not mention Comet or Costas once, I think. I don't think their names were ever there. And I was like, mm. And then I didn't feel like reading the other, like, five Wikipedia summaries, like, links out for the other books. Um, so I went into this completely blind um, and found that that didn't really, like, damper my enjoyment of it. Um I do feel like in some ways, yeah, like, this falls fairly in line with classic fake dating, although it definitely, like, differs from the way that it was in my fic. Nick, as you said, like, they're not, like, actively trying to fool people. Also for, like, maybe the first quarter or so, Kostas doesn't even know that people think that they're married. Like, Kameh is the one who keeps going into town and, like, making friends, and then, like, one day Kostas just shows up and is referred to as his husband, and he's like, oh, yes, that's me. (laughs) Uh That's me. I'm the husband. Um... Yeah, I mean, I thought that the way that their relationship played out was sweet. There were definitely moments where I, like, wish I knew what was going on in canon, especially when they got to the Atolia. is that right? Yeah. Where Eugenides is? Yeah. Especially when they got to the First Kingdom, where they presumably sort of have, a t- like, ties to. Um,
0: Costas is like a-, a big deal soldier
1: there. Yes. And Comet is sort of there.
0: Yeah. He was brought there by Costas.
1: Yes. We're discussing events
0: in books we haven't read. Again, we're doing our best. <laughs>
1: All, all I was gonna say basically is just that, like, there were definitely moments in the fic where I was like, I didn't feel lost so much as I was like, ooh, it would be nice to know what on earth the dynamics between these people are and like what their canon histories are because I'm sure this would land a lot stronger. But I wasn't like lost. I was like, okay, I'm just enjoying the ride. I felt very much like Nick in that way, just sort of accepting what I didn't know and and going with it. Um, I agree that there is like humor in this fic that felt a little bit unexpected because it. It was reading, like, very much at the beginning, I was like, oh, I assume this is kind of the tone that the books takes. And it felt very much like I was reading, like, a fantasy book. And then I was like, oh, Comet takes things very seriously. But I think not everything is as, like, high stakes or maybe dour as he presents them as. Um, I also just was really charmed by their, like, idyllic little cottage life. I thought it was very sweet. And spoilers for the end of this fic, I'm glad they got to return to it. They have some, like, action-y stuff in the middle. And then they get to go like live this little cottagecore life. I will say I think the one thing I struggled with with this fic more so than my lack of canonical knowledge was just the pacing kind of threw me off at points. They go on some journeys to different like countries, kingdoms, I don't really know. And like weeks and sometimes months or like a month are passed in the span of a sentence or two. Um, So that caught me off guard a little and did sometimes make me lose my footing, so to speak, in the fic. But yeah, overall, I had a really good time with it.
2: Yeah, I had fun. Um this made me want to read the books. So I don't know what to say more about that aspect of it, but it did. <laughs> um so I obviously enjoyed like the world that we were in here. Um I felt like the political stuff and like the overall like kind of bigger world stuff was like relatively easy for me to follow without needing a whole lot of outside like help. I did not google anything. I just went in and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to read this fic. We'll see. We'll see how it goes." Um, I think the one thing for me that like would have been a little bit helpful and like maybe I should have just asked a friend who I knew had read these books before I had read the fic, uh, is just understanding what the relationship is in canon between the two characters and like what their kind of history and backstory is with each other. Um, because I feel like there were some things hinted at in the fic that like just kind of passed me by and I wanted that slightly deeper investment in the ship, Like, I had fun with the pairing, but I didn't really feel like rattling the bars of my cage about it at all just because the moments that I think would have evoked that feeling in me had I known more about the characters and, like, their dynamic and canon, like, eluded me a little bit. Um, But I still thought that the characters were, like, very well written and, like, I liked their dynamic a lot. I just was like... Very curious about like what, what they had been to each other previously, like why they'd kind of ended up here, um, that kind of stuff. So I do know a little bit more about that now. But I have not reread the fix since learning that. Sorry, I just did not have time today to do that work. Um That all being said, I had a lot of fun with this. I think it's funny because we've been calling both of these fake dating, but really like Reed's is like fake dating. Nick's is like fake marriage of convenience. Mm, like yes. <laughs> they're not actually dating at any point they're married yeah. like that's the lie it's not like oh this is my boyfriend that's it's true. this is my husband <laughs> um, and like it also has all the marriage of convenience of it um which is like a trope i personally love like i love marriage of convenience more than i like fake dating usually like the line between those two is not particularly strong i just love the like the commitment that marriage comes with and like how it's always also like oh no how do we get divorced (laughs) which i think is such a funny thing for like writers to have to work into a fic Um, too bad for these folks they can't get divorced (laughs) because they accidentally got common law married during this all (laughs) (laughs) Which is also just absolutely hysterical. This fic was really unexpectedly funny in a lot of points, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, Yeah, I had a really fun time with it. And like, again, it made me want to read the books and then also maybe read more fic for them after I know a little bit more.
0: Yeah. My favorite thing about this fic is the oops, common law marriage aspect. (laughs) Because by the end of it, you really realize as the reader and Kame as our POV character realizes as well, the only people they are lying to are themselves. Everyone else is seeing the relationship for what each of them individually wishes the relationship would be. And so I guess they're lying to each other in that way as well. But it's so interesting. Like, I really liked that. And it was so funny. There are so many funny aspects of this. Not only the fact that they, again, oops their way into a common-law marriage where they're told, oh yeah, your marriage is legitimate because you have been living together and are obviously affectionate towards each other, etc. But then you also get this fun aspect of the two of them the the cottage that they go to is in a place called Roa that has different customs from their own of their respective homelands. And there's almost... I mean, I'm sure this happens in fantasy as well, and I just read less of it, but I think about the sci-fi custom of, like, a character going to a new world, like, oh, it's me in an alien world, and having to – I don't know who that was an impression of. Um, <laughs> they have to – I thought it was you. Oh, I guess it could be. <laughs> um, but the the character has to learn all of these new customs and is explaining them in a way to the reader so that you're able to understand as well what's going on, right? It's the the passage into a new world. It's the hero's journey crossing the threshold where you start to get all of these different pieces of, okay, yes, I am starting to put together a picture of what this particular culture is like and how it differs from our character's, like, touchstones. I'm not saying this fic is a hero's journey arc, by the way. I don't think it is. Um, but Roa is very interesting, and some of the customs are quite funny. Um... One of them is, which may or may not have made it as our transition. We're we're still not sure. We tried a lot of them. Um, early early on in the fic, there's a a marriage that occurs, a wedding, and the Rowan custom is that at a wedding, the two mothers, the mother of the bride and groom, I guess if it is a bride and groom getting married, fight to first blood with knives. I was obsessed with that. There is nothing better than Mm -hmm. being like, wait, mom fight? Like, yeah, 100% mom (laughs) fight. So good. Um, They're also gifted a a kitten at this wedding, (laughs) which was also incredible. So there were just fun things like that where it's like really interesting. It stops Komet from being annoying as a POV character, I think, that he is on his back foot. He seems like a very clever, snarky guy who has a lot of trauma. And so I think putting him on his back foot in a funny location does help with that. Uh, I'm speaking as if I'm an expert on this character. I'm definitively not. Uh, But I think all of those things work together really well in service of this particular story.
2: Reed, did you like Kama as a character? Because um, Nick's description of clever, snarky guy with a lot of trauma is
1: usually like your number one type in media. It's fitting. <laughs> that, that is usually my number one type. I feel like I maybe didn't get as much snark from him yeah. as I typically look for in, in you a boardroom, like per like the or or... king,
0: the, the queen's thief, the titular queen's thief, Jen.
1: I didn't he really know what snarky. Jen was doing in this fic. I don't know. Jen and Kostis like had baffled. Maybe. Yes, um, Sylvain, absolutely a snarky boy with trauma, a blorbo. Tony Stark, snarky boy with trauma, a blorbo.
2: Yeah,
1: Comet does not seem to fall as strongly not into yet. those categories for me, but who knows? I don't think I'll be reading this series, not because I don't think I'd enjoy it, but because I'm bad at reading books these days. I'm just days. gonna bring I... more
0: Queen's Thief fic.
2: Uh,
1: that's fine. Okay. I would. I'd be fine with that.
2: Okay. I'm gonna read the book, so then I'll know things. But I
1: won't that tell you be anything great, that actually. I learned. No, Brenna, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Brenna gatekeeping the knowledge, yeah. making us take off our headphones whenever she gives the ficklets like canonical. No, lore. I'll I'll say for
2: the pod, like I'm not gonna tell you ahead of time. Oh, okay. And I'll I'm also to not you. gonna directly answer your questions.
1: We're gonna be like Comet on our back feet <gasps> in this oh podcast. My God. Um, no, actually, kind of differently from the snark. I was going to say that, um. I think the beginning of this fic set me up to think Comet was maybe a different type of character than he was. Um, and I actually think this kind of maybe ties into as well the like unexpected humor of it, that things are a little bit lighter maybe than Comet is presenting to us. Because very early on, Comet um, is thinking about like how much he wants Kostis and can't have him. Um, and the fic reads, once he might have yearned for freedom, when in Atolia he had wanted not to die. He had loved before, he had suffered before. None of what he felt now was new. But he'd never been quite so close to happiness. And I was so struck by this comparison of, like, romantic desire to a sort of, like, baseline need the way that, like, freedom or, like, staying alive would be. Like, this sort of, like, instinct or a thing that, like, consumes and defines you. And, you know, like, why why shouldn't a desire for happiness consume you? Um, especially after a presumably difficult life that I imagine Comet has had. So, I don't know. Like, I, I had this impression of him as, like, this, like, this... This desire to be wanted and to be loved and to have this thing that he wanted is, like, so central. And it and it is in the sense that he is, like, very much suffering calling Kostas his husband that he doesn't get. But, like, it is—the fic was, like, so not nearly as intense, I think, as those lines had, like, set me up to think, like, either this fic or Comet would be. And I, I'm i not saying that, like, in a bad way, like, at all. um I think it actually kind of makes sense once I got further in and realized that, like, Komet is giving us a view of everything sort of, like, very, like— everything is so, like, serious and sort of almost, like, straightforward and blah 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 And it's, like, actually, like, some things are maybe just a little bit easier than he is making for himself.
0: While we're reading lines from the fic, I did want to share one that made me all caps in my notes. I took notes on all three fics this episode, by the way, ficlets. I hope you're all applauding. They're not long. Um, the most notes is, like, three bullet points for one of the fics, (laughs) but that's not nothing. Um... And the line that I copied down that I wanted to read here was, In truth, comet knew this was simple camaraderie, clumsily exaggerated because it was the only way Costas knew how to act. And I had a sub-bullet point that just says the only way he knows how to act is in love with you, you fool. Because it's so real, like this whole time. And right, one of the things that this entire love story hinges on by the end is costas being like i am a terrible liar i was sent with you because you are a good liar and i am very bad and also the king knew if the lie was being married to you i would do fine (laughs) because i want to be married to you like i just there is something so good about a fake dating story where they're like ah He's not in love with me. How could he be? He's acting normal, and you're like shaking him by the shoulders. <laughs> like that is normal for him. He's always loved you his entire life. I'm really am becoming a comet slash Costas truther with like almost no context. It's becoming <laughs> incredible. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have had
2: two people tell us oh like this is what their relationship is in canon but i also like don't even know like if i just asked some i don't know person like a librarian or something who'd read <laughs> these but like wasn't in fandom like uh-huh. would they describe the relationship in the same way to me or are we seeing it through like a fandomified lens from our friends that's my question you know well,
0: yeah i can pretty much guarantee that it's uh the fandomified lens that gave us such hits as hold on <laughs> this is like really important (laughs) they are in love and it's sexual (laughs) i don't think a librarian would tell us that (laughs) Uh i mean maybe
2: but like that's my question (laughs) would they yeah
0: yeah i appreciate that um this this friend friend of the pod tilly did not mince any words um in telling me that i just i did put out just a general call that i needed someone to tell me about the two of them (laughs) The other one I got was, the important thing is that they do not understand each other at all, yet do want to fuck, even if they do not want to admit it. People have feelings out here. That was not necessarily the impression I got from this fic, predominantly, but that's okay. Well, it's also
1: funny because other information that we got was, like, um, I think it might have been Cassie who had said, mm. like, um, I can't tell if they're supposed to be platonic life partners or, like, old school queer-coded couple. Which gives me a slightly different vibe from yes. the other things you just said. So, like, the vibe is that they are Where's important to I'm... librarian tell me things? <laughs> Maybe they just contain multitudes.
0: And good for them.
2: Oh, I, meant my, I thought you meant my neutral librarian
0: <laughs> contain <laughs> multitudes. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah probably. They could. <laughs> Where are you finding this neutral librarian that you speak of? I don't know. Like at the freaking library.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is really just, and I'm sorry to the ficlets, but this is really giving me vibes of our D&D campaign of walking into a library to get information, then accidentally creating like an NPC who was vital for like 30 some, uh, I almost said episodes, 30 some (laughs) sessions. Sessions. There's the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm
2: literally just going to like walk to the library that is walkable to from my house. And be like, hi, have you or anyone else at the circulation desk read the Queen's Thief series? If so, can you answer a short questionnaire? <laughs>
0: you should do that. Yeah. Keep yeah. us updated, Brad. Okay. Okay. I am within walking distance of a library as well, but I'm not going to do that.
1: <laughs> Our li- Sorry, this is like not really related to the fig, but like the library that's within walking distance to us is like not really open. It's technically open, but nowhere that you can go and peruse books yourself. You can only go up to the front desk yeah. and ask for books. Oh, that makes me sad. Oh, but you can sad. go ask though. Right. yeah you can ask so oh, okay is... good yeah that's better for the neutral librarian yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I
2: guess it's also a big branch so like i feel like there might be i have a better shot at, like one of the mm. librarians there what if you find a biased series.
0: librarian though
2: <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah i just wouldn't know well one of the i guess one of the questions on my questionnaire can be have you ever read fan fiction for the <laughs> queen of <Thief?" laughs>
0: can mm. it say listen to fit click at the bottom
2: no what Are if... you kidding? Because if they think I'm really weird, like, I don't want them to come, like, harass me. Well, don't be weird. <laughs> I'm t- handing them a questionnaire <laughs> about the Queen's Thief and the relationship between two characters. Do you, do you think this relationship is sexual? Yes. No. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> and you could also hand them a ficlic business card with the questionnaire. We just need to make okay, it. Okay,
2: that's true, I guess. I hope it wow, I really hope I get a good librarian, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously.
1: <laughs> anyway... To get back to this fic, though, as previously mentioned, um, Nick and I's fics vary in some ways, but I think they both hit a pretty common trope of fake dating in which um, the realizations of feelings and the getting together does not happen until pretty much the end. And there generally is like some sort of significant catalyst for it. Um, In my fic, the stakes were so much lower because the catalyst was New Year's Eve. Um, But in this fic, the catalyst is met getting stabbed so he and Costas as um asked by the titular queen's thief and the queen um are sent to like a neighboring country to prevent a a cousin's murder the cousin being another queen I think that's a cousin yes, yes. I don't know there's not a okay okay great They're asked to, like, sort of uh, figure out, like, who is behind this, like, alleged, like, assassination attempt or, like, this, like, future assassination attempt for a queen. Um, And one of the things they have to do as being married husbands is they go to this festival, Bacchanal, I think you called it, yes? They go to a Bacchanal and they're, like, oiled up and in like skimpy robes as like Eros yes they were nominated as the Eros couple thank you yes and they're standing up on a pedestal and like having this like intense moment and they kiss um and then Komet gets like stabbed through the gut with a knife that presumably was actually meant for the queen and like very nearly dies um he's fine but in there there's a lot of like he's like very feverish and sick and weak and like talks about a bunch of things but one of the things he's like he talks about going home and Kostas is like I can't take you back because Kostas thinks he's referring to Mede I think is how we're pronouncing it like his his homeland um and then like much later like Komet was like yeah you idiot the home I meant was like this beautiful cottage life that we built together with our kitten that is Schrodinger's kitten that like appears places and probably shouldn't have lived but is alive (laughs) and like these townspeople that we have built relationships with like yeah that's what I meant by home you absolute buffoon.
2: I do feel like if there are a million uncles in MDZS, there seem mm. to be a
0: million cousins. <laughs> and yes!
2: Everyone was a cousin, That's and so I completely true. lost track of them.
0: <laughs> God, anyway, yes. I did love that, like, that little meditation on home. And, like, also our home that is so domestic that it legitimized our marriage in the eyes of the law. Obsessed.
1: Yeah, yeah. very brief. Oh, no, go,
2: sorry, oh, No, I was just going to say, I also think it's, like, I have no idea if this is something that's, like, pulled from the books or if it was just invented by this author. But, like, regardless, it is so absolutely endearing to me that it is just, like, if you live together and you live well together, that is all it takes to, like, be a relationship, you know? Like, I don't know. It's just really wholesome and, like, (laughs) easy. Like, I feel like these are two characters who, like, have had to fight for everything, you know? Like, that's the picture we get of them. And then I feel like this is kind of this gift from this new place that they've called home that, like... All they had to do were these three simple tasks.
1: One thing I really liked about that, too, like, in in the finding out that they are common-law married is that Comet um, has made a friend, John, whose, like, wedding he sort of gave his speech at. And he, towards the end of the fic, like, goes to him, like... With his like head hung and he's like, John, I have to confess I've been <laughs> lying to you this whole time I'm not married. And John is like, yeah, you are. And he's like, no, no, I only told you Costas you is my understand. husband. <laughs> and John is like, yeah. And then John is like, no, you don't understand. According to our customs, you've done it. He super um, is your husband. <laughs> <laughs> which I think was such like a delightful way of finding out that it's like Komet just feels so miserably guilty. And it's like, no, nah, nothing to worry about. You've already done it
0: yeah wait do you know he's your husband uh-oh buddy <laughs> totally turns it on him
1: we we know that you're married for realsies though do- are you did you know this
2: <laughs> he didn't no, yeah he did no not.
1: yeah i actually
0: pulled a quote that i feel like speaks to that a little bit um primarily it speaks to like why they have been keeping up this ruse and how it started in the first place because they were not being pressured into it like Because, like Brenna was saying, it is so easy to enter this marriage, to enter this partnership together, legally, and also like just in the eyes of the community, it doesn't benefit them that much to be like, ah, yes, my husband, wink. Like it, people don't really care. Um, So, as they're talking about how it continued and why and everything, at one point, Costas, well, Comet asks, uh, "Oh, I don't know what he asks. I only have Costas's response." Sorry, everyone. Coastas to something says, "I don't think so." (laughs) It makes things easier sometimes. Fewer awkward questions for one, and people don't question me when I ask about you or when I stay by your side. And Comet, in response to that, thinks, "Had they questioned him before?" And then he starts to spiral a little bit. Of like, wait, no one was actually wondering. No one was worrying about it. Someone made an assumption, and he thought he had to go along with it because this, that, or the other. But he realizes in hindsight. It was mostly just that he wanted it to be true. It wasn't that it was helping them get ahead. It wasn't that it was protecting them on their, like, assignment. It's not even, like, really a mission in Roa. It's just their assignment there to be, like, you know, keeping things peaceful for the most part. It felt like such a good moment of realization, and we get a lot of those throughout really this entire fic, but especially the back half. And it was just nice, and I think it's nice that once we get to the end, yeah, there's not, like... They don't have to come clean to everybody and start fighting for things. They just have to come clean to each other and get honest about what they want. And that feels like a very nice ending. And a good way to end our You Lie July (laughs) fic discussions. (laughs) Actually, if you're honest with yourself, you don't have to worry about anyone that you lied to, is the moral of the story Mm -hmm. that this fic tells us and that Ficlick is actively endorsing and promoting for our ficlets. So that was our discussion of sweet Juris. I hope you liked it. It was very fun. I learned a lot about The Queen's Thief, a series I've never read, but maybe now I will at some point because I'm intrigued. And uh, I don't think these two are like main characters. So it does have me wondering what else is going on in this series that I do not know about.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thick Click. Um we hope you have enjoyed the second installment of our themed series um July July in which there were many different types of lying um if you would maybe like to talk to us about unreliable narrators or lying or tell Brenna that she's being a clown about untamed canon, um, you can do that by, you know, getting in contact with us. You can follow us on our social medias, um, ficlick at twitter.com. You can join our Discord server. You can email us at ficlickpod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, get in touch and, and join the little community we have going on. It's quite a good one, I would say. Hey, Figlets, you should also review our pod.
0: Review it. On any catching app that you use, it allows reviews. You can say all kinds of things. Uh, we are small and we rely primarily on word of mouth. And also, hey, if you listen to our podcast and then you listen to other fanish podcasts, apparently sometimes we get recommended to their listeners. So that's exciting. So if you're listening now and you are, if you're hearing me say this, keep it up. Thanks. We also have merchandise if you want to put it on your body or in your home. You can find it linked in our Redbubble. It's in our pinned tweet on Twitter. It is designed uh, by Brenna and also by a friend of the pod, Tiffany, who helped us out. It's very cute. I highly recommend it. If you get an AO3 user blank mug, you can match with my mom, who doesn't, I don't think knows what that means, but that's okay. (laughs) Our next episode is going to come out on
2: July 22nd. And guess what? What? It's our third birthday episode of the year. Oh my God. It's going to be Reed's birthday episode. Reed, what are you bringing?
1: Yes, um it is my birthday episode and what I have for you is um the first fic that I'm bringing is *Mysther* by Astolat. I cannot remember if I put this on my 2020 or 2021 like fic wrap up um but if we're being self indulgent i get to bring a fic that is several years old that i've read like four different times that i feel absolutely gourdless about um it is for the witcher it's girl emir i am also bringing the long way down by Jappery? japery one of the two of those um it is for men's hockey rpf specifically for the avs it is ej nate it's canon verse um it's got hockey curses it has me having a lot of avalanche feelings because they just won the stanley cup and i want what? to talk about those boys um sorry
2: <laughs> i meant that just be a normal woo but then my voice cracked and then i just went with
1: it no it is a good celebratory woo um yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it next episode. But Brent and I watched the Stanley Cup final together and had lots of feelings about these boys. So I'm excited for to the invite. Well, if you lived in our home with us and paid rent, then maybe you could have also watched. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of following what my um, co-hosts did in their birthday episodes, I have brought two things that you would consider more traditional fan fiction, and one thing that's a little bit different. Um, I am bringing a Twitter thread. Um, that is by at writing. Spoilers, you are getting Wei Wuxian and long Wenji together in this self-insert modern naive Twitter. I can't thread. wait for this one. Um, yeah, I read this many, many, many months ago, but I remember just being, like, thoroughly delighted by it. So, yeah, I am excited to be talking about all of those things next time. Okay, fecklets, I'm off to draw first blood. Bye! Okay, Ficklets, I will not be going back to Canada for the holidays because I don't live there. Bye! Okay, Ficklets, I'm off to be lied to by my childhood friend. (laughs) Bye!